all of your content and data and all this stuff has typically been locked up in these centralized databases like Twitter or Facebook. Historically, those companies started out by saying like, oh yeah, we've got this like, here's our API and it's really great. You can do these deep integrations. They've really kind of like neutered those APIs. Whereas on Web3, like by publishing your data on chain or in an open and decentralized way, kind of like RSS, anybody can sort of permissionlessly build on that. Rebel has those APIs today. If you wanted to build your own experience on top of it or do whatever you want to do with that data, it's already available. If we ever turned evil and <laughs> shut down our own APIs, all that data and information is available through Arweave. And Arweave itself is designed to be totally permanent. Welcome to another episode of the Web3 Experience. Our guest today is Mike from Rebel. Rebel helps creators build their own communities natively in Web3. As a podcast that heavily covers the Optimism Layer 2 ecosystem, it's great to see that Rebel supports all of the Ethereum Layer 2 networks, Optimism, Arbitrum, Polygon, Starknet, ZK Sync, you name it, as well as Layer 1 Ethereum. All right, that's enough for now. Let's jump into the show. How's it going, man? I was just telling Mike that um, as soon as you pop up, um, I'll add you as co-host and then uh, we'll wait for a couple people to filter in. Uh, and then we can read the disclaimer and kick it off. I'm going to share this spaces uh, right now. Awesome, man. I will tweet it out too. I'm super excited for this one. Thanks for organizing it and everything. I uh, look forward to it. Thanks for being here, Rebel. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, so this is week 25 of the Web3 Experience. Uh, the Web3 Experience is really a podcast and live open conversation. We've been doing this for 25 weeks, right? Happens every Monday, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Really covering crypto, NFTs, Web3, DAP styles, and more. Um, let me jump through a quick disclaimer here. These spaces are recorded and posted to Spotify. Entertainment purposes only, not financial advice ever. Crypto and NFTs are both risky. It's like going to Vegas in some ways. You can lose real money. So be alert for scams. Get educated. Never invest what you can't afford to lose. That being said, thank you for joining the Web3 Experience show. Yes, welcome, Mike. Uh, so I wanted to kick it off with uh, you telling us a little bit about your, about your background and then giving us a kind of a high-level overview of what Rebel.fun is. Sure. Uh, thanks again for having me on the show. Um, congratulations on 25 weeks. It sounds really uh, great. Um, so I've been an entrepreneur pretty much my whole uh, professional career. And I've always really worked on community software um, and, uh, and creator stuff. I think probably before we even really had the idea of there being a creator economy. Um, my first like breakout company was in 2012 building uh, software for musicians and concert venues. We built platform, or we built a platform that made it easy for uh, bands basically to spin up fan club communities as websites and mobile apps. And we kind of caught the EDM wave and uh, had a lot of success building stuff like uh, like websites that allowed fans to uh, participate in contests and buy tickets and 
uh, have, have discussion forums and all kinds of stuff like that. And I ran that company for a while and uh, it brought me from Philadelphia to Los Angeles and uh, have been kind of dabbling in that and some other fields as well and fell down this sort of Web3 rabbit hole about a year and a half ago um, and have been working toward bringing that same sort of uh, technology into the Web3 space where it comes to content publishing and uh, community engagement. I think we've just barely scratched the surface so far. As much as as many like exciting things have kind of come out of Web three in terms of um, NFT projects and the early days of content and media in Web three, I think we've barely scratched the surface uh, surface of what's possible here. And so Rebel is a platform that is. With, that has the goal of making it easy for creators to make content and engage with their communities. That is a good overview. Um, so you mentioned that um, <clears throat> Rebel was kind of focused on uh, Web3 content and publishing community engagement. Sounds a lot like um, what the current kind of uh, Web2 platforms that are out there um, are currently geared towards as well. So I was wondering if you could set the stage for us and kind of walk us through how the Web2 platforms got us here and then where you see this uh, this space going as far as um, at, or as far as it relates to um, to Web3 uh, and those kind of social applications. The, the majority of Web2, uh, I guess, content and social networking has really been built around uh, the business model of targeted advertising um, and a sort of winner takes all kind of sort of like paradigm, I guess you could say, right? We have a handful of big players like YouTube and Instagram and now TikTok where the vast majority of content that's been created and consumed has been on those platforms. And the structure of it all has been based around uh, engagement and it creates all these sort of incentives and behaviors that are sort of like shaped by that business model. Uh, around, I think, um, 2012, you saw Patreon launch, which was one of the first ways that people could at scale support artists and creators directly by paying them uh, subscriptions directly. Um, and we've since seen more platforms like that, right? You have OnlyFans and Substack and probably others that I can't think of at the moment. Uh, but that's relatively niche and um, is a bit, I think, kind of foreshadows what I think Web3 is really going to offer in terms of creators and artists having a much more direct relationship with their fans and both both in terms of content and also um, the monetization of, of how those relationships work. Web 2 has really been about centralization and the direction of like how all this stuff works or like the structuring of what kinds of content does well or doesn't do well based on corporate motivations and 
the directives of a small group of people at the top of these companies that kind of drive the uh, downstream structure of everything. And so Web3 is really exciting because by giving creators much more direct access to their fans and supporters, you have this like much wider design space of what's possible in terms of the kind of content that people create and how it all gets supported. Yeah, that's a good explanation. Speaking of opportunities for creators, um, what kind of opportunities for creators uh, do you see uh, specifically at Rebel and, you know, in the general uh, Web3 space that's different from the the current Web2 space where, you know, kind of what the current Web2 space uh, wouldn't offer is not going to offer at the moment? I think the major themes are going to be that there are going to be, I think the, the, the updates to the sort of payment rails uh, where sort of like most, most web two, I guess all of, all of the web two services that offer direct monetization. I'm, I'm kind of like discounting ad based models at this point, because for the most part, those companies don't really share ad revenue with their creators. Right. I think YouTube does revenue splits, but Instagram, I think, take 100% of the ad profit. And I think it's you know pretty dismal across the board in terms of like the upside you can make as a creator for getting views and engagement on your content. When it comes to like directly supporting creators and artists uh, on the financial side of things, because kind of credit card companies and some of these middlemen are being cut out of the equation, you get to keep more of your revenue, which is a pretty big deal, um, especially when you're talking about the dollar amounts that people are really supporting artists and creators with. For instance, like Patreon, I mean, most uh, the subscriptions that I have on Patreon, for instance, are like five bucks a month. Um, and when you factor in credit card fees and platform fees, that winds up being a pretty big chunk of income for creators. Because you've got credit card processing as part of the equation, you really can't lower uh, the cost of a subscription past a certain point. Like for instance, if you wanted to have a dollar a month subscription, you would be giving up a huge amount of that in just in credit card fees and then probably platform fees as well. So I think a big part of what's going to be great for Web3 is this idea of like almost like microtransactions or micro subscriptions where if you wanted to subscribe to a podcast like the Web3 experience or if you wanted to, or you wanted to support a podcast like this or even just sort of like um, tip. And I, I kind of don't love the idea of like tipping as what we call it. But like if you wanted to say, yeah, that was a great episode. Here's like a dollar or a couple of dollars. A model that we're going to see in Web3 um, and it's largely made possible just because you have the elimination of these really exuberant credit card processing fees. So I think that's going to be a pretty huge deal um, for a lot of media properties. The other thing I think is going to be really important and a kind of driving factor around engagement and I guess marketing is this idea of co-creation or 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 you could think of as like these little creative economies spinning up around every single one of every media property. So because of NFTs being uh, like liquid assets and because we're exploring things as an industry like social tokens, community members who get involved and help promote shows or add value back into a community have an opportunity to actually 
earn some money one way or another, um, whether that's like the value of the NFTs that they've collected goes up and they can kind of sell them or social tokens, or if there are revenue shares that start to get introduced into these things, these are all mechanics that maybe theoretically are possible in the Web2 context, but have never really been explored or caught on. And I think a big part of that is probably because of credit card processing and the cost of moving money around, and also just a sort of cultural thing. And so I think you'll start to see a situation where... uh, creators have like a small army of like um you know like contributors really super fans contributors that are out there helping to spread the word about their favorite media properties or communities and adding whatever value they can back into it a because they want to do it as a baseline just by being a big fan but b because there's actually going to be financial upside in, in, in doing those things. And so part of what Rebel does is helps creators to automatically reward. You have all these things that you can attach to um, behaviors. So you can, you can automatically reward community members for doing things like referring new members to your community or posting engaging content into your community or participating in governance, like whatever it is that you sort of value as a community manager or a creator, you can automatically reward your uh, members using our tools. So I think stuff like that is going to be a really big deal. Like we, like for instance, we have a contests feature um, that uh, Dope Wars, which is a sort of Grand Theft Auto style um, blockchain game who are about to launch their community on rebel. They're running a contest for like, um, like content, like a meme contest, like submit your best memes. And after a couple of weeks, they're going to award for a second in place, first, second and third place, uh, winners in paper, which is their native currency. So stuff like that is huge. And I think is going to be, a um, keystone in how Web3, uh, I think of them as like creative communities or creative economies function. And that's a thing that we're really excited about. Yeah, that sounds exciting. So the, the one thing that you were, uh, the one thing that caught uh, my attention that you were talking through there um, and um, on the Rebel site right now was um, that Dope Wars uh, site. And so it's like, the community contest piece is awesome, but then also I'm looking at the sidebar and they can put just uh, in an amazing uh, array of content um, on to Rebel. I yeah. see that it has podcasts, it has videos, um, kind of a messaging board uh, thing where you can comment on the videos as well. And so yeah. it's like it combines so many different pieces of, of social media all all in one uh, all in one website. Yeah, we're super excited about that. I mean, our our goal is to make um, all like any kind of traditional media type that we're all familiar with. We want to have super easy tools to publish that stuff. So currently we support, if you want to add a blog, you can add a blog. We do courses, videos, podcasts, uh, photo walls, video channels, like YouTube style, like channels. Um, 
uh, events that people can subscribe to. You can do live streams through events. And you can token gate all of these things at the content level or at the sort of section level, like you said, on the sidebars. So you can say only people who hold our community NFT can access this section or can see this piece of premium content. And so that's a way that I think we're going. I think that most media properties and communities are going to take advantage of these things so that you can easily and seamlessly give benefits to your token holders and without having to do these really complicated collab land verifications or any of that stuff. I mean, you basically just log into rebel and once you connect your wallet, that's the only thing you really have to do because we can then analyze the wallet contents and start to give you access to stuff based on that. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm on your website right now. It looks pretty cool. Um, and anybody that's listening, that's visited the website, you have to, uh, if you connect your wallet, then you can see all the different communities, but until you connect your wallet, you won't be able to see anything. So like you can go on dope wars. looks like they have a podcast, right? And I can see different videos. So this kind of does feel like a community management type platform, almost like social media, but it definitely is more community focused, right? Definitely. Yeah, for sure. And something else I want to mention, too, is that everything that gets published into Rebel, uh, whether it's a video that you upload as a community manager or posts that um, community members make, all gets published. Um, we republish that stuff out into currently to Arweave. Arweave is like the permanent, I forget what they call it, you know, permanent storage for Web3 or whatever. It's kind of like IPFS, but it publishes all the data, all the media and everything into a decentralized format. So like Rebel has its own database and its own sort of typical Web2 stack to support all that stuff that you see. But it's also republishing all of this content in a way that allows people to build. You can build your own front end to it if you wanted or your own app on top of this if you wanted. It's really being built with the goal of making it totally decentralized and composable so that you don't you're not tied to rebel in a super meaningful way and if you want to build your own sort of experiences um you're able to do that without without too much difficulty and as time goes on we're going to support more and more protocols so for instance uh like lens is a really popular sort of social protocol for um, doing a sort of like, it's like a very like sort of like on-chain maximalized protocol for doing social activity. And we're going to make it really easy to just publish content and everything through Lens if that's what you want to do as a creator. We're also working with um, this really amazing company called Tableland who allow you, who've built this like crazy tech to do uh, to bring basically like SQL databases on chain, which is a really, really cool and breakthrough way to make data available in a sort of decentralized blockchain focused way. And so as time goes on, we're going to layer more and more of these sort of protocols. Like Farcaster is another one that is kind of really exciting to me. Um, and so it, it'll be what a sort was of like that one you just mentioned? Did you say Rcaster? Oh, it's Farcaster. Oh, F-A-R. Far-caster. Yeah. So they're like, um, 
they're building kind of like it's, it's it feels very much like Twitter, but a decentralized sort of social protocol. And there, there are going to be a lot of these. I mean, I think we're going to see a ton of different protocols emerge and, and many of those that kind of come out are going to get a lot of traction. And so one of the things that I think about pretty often is this idea that as a creator, you shouldn't really have to be on top of like every single protocol that's coming out or every single best practice, especially because many, if not most of these things that sort of emerge and gain traction, you're going to have a pretty good reason to want to publish there. I think there's going to be a lot of these things. And so we want Rebel to be a place where you can like publish your stuff once, your community can, can add content or, or put things in there in one sort of like way, but that it makes it available in all these different protocols and places that sort of matter to be present in. That makes me think of like RSS where yeah. you publish once and then it's distributed to downstream to all these different feeds. Would it be similar to that or is it slightly different? No, it's super similar. I mean, I think that, I think RSS is like, um, a great way to think of how if I'm a content creator, RSS is a great sort of like framework to think of like making your own content available on web three, you know, and you should be publishing in ways that are the sort of like a modern equivalent of RSS because that's how people can start to like remix it and build on it and do interesting things with it. And it's a huge departure from how web two works where, all of your content and data and all this stuff has typically been locked up in these centralized databases like Twitter or Facebook or whatever. And historically those companies started out by saying like, Oh yeah, we've got this, like here's our API and it's really great. You can do these deep integrations. But as time went on and as their business incentives pushed them in the direction of locking that stuff up, they really kind of like neutered those APIs to the point where it's, difficult to build anything certainly competitive with with those services using their own APIs but even just kind of like worthwhile whereas on web3 like what we think of as composability is such a big unlock this idea that like by publishing your data on chain or or in an open and decentralized way kind of like RSS anybody can sort of permissionlessly build on that and it's huge it's going to be a huge unlock for anybody who's building stuff or making content or trying to reach a lot of people or build communities. And so that's something we're just so excited about. On the topic of APIs, right? These web two companies, Twitter, for example, which we're all using right now has closed APIs where they don't yeah. just have access to where a developer cannot simply access data. There's some data that's maybe available via the API, but it's usually pretty limited. Does Rebel plan to have like open APIs for developers or would a developer simply just go to Arweave where the data is stored and they can permissionlessly build? Both. So it currently has an API. Every community has uh, like a sort of, you hit a URL that gives you a sort of manifest, which tells you all the different sections that are in a community. So if you've added a podcast, there will be a section of that API that result that talks about the podcast information um, and any other sort of like section that you've added to Rebel. And then it gives you links to the data APIs for each of those sections. But 
as a fallback, you can pull it all off of Arweave as well in case, you know, it'll be faster probably to return those things from Rebel itself and a little less, a little less work than, than sort of like crawling the full Arweave tree. But Rebel has those APIs today. So you can, like I said, like if you wanted to build your own experience on top of it, or do whatever you want to do with that data, it's already available um, through the Rebel servers. And if Rebel ever went away, or if we ever uh, turned evil and <laughs> shut down our own APIs, all that content is, all that data and information is available through Arweave. And Arweave itself is designed to be totally permanent. Like one of the things about IPFS, which is the other sort of like file storage, decentralized file storage um, service, that has emerged um, is that you have to like, you kind of have to pay or, or like keep content on IPFS uh, pinned. Whereas on Arweave, it's just permanent and meant to be there forever. So it's kind of one of the reasons that we, we chose Arweave over IPFS for that stuff. So you can have a high level of confidence that your, your data is always going to be there in a, in a way that's meaningful. Uh, very cool. So, yeah, I think um, Mirror, which enables people to publish writing NFTs, uses Arweave as well, for instance, right? So it's like stored Absolutely. on chain. It's public forever, right, on the blockchain, immutable. And, uh, yeah, so cool that you guys are using that. Uh, I think that's great. And if you have something like a video, right, I'm looking at your website, at Rebel's website, and you know, creators could publish a video. Imagine if, a, if the video is, say, an hour long, has a gigabyte, it's a large file. Mm-hmm. Is that still able to just be stored on Arweave gas? Yeah. Or... yeah, and we do, in fact, store the really? videos on Arweave. Yep. The, if, uh, any, any of those videos that you see on the Dope Wars website, as well as the podcast, the 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 actual media information is stored on Arweave as well. Like if you click through, um, there's a little there's a little cloud icon on the posts, and if you click that, you'll see the Arweave. Um, a little pop up will show up and show you the Arweave transaction for the current version of that content. And inside of that, there's a little media block that has another Arweave ID, and if you follow that media arweave id it's the actual media file itself so the mp3 audio for the podcast is on arweave the video content all the video files are on arweave um and so yeah it's it's pretty crazy um and arweave is built to sort of like support that use case which is to me just amazing i think it's so cool how does our? I don't know if you know much about the architecture or the number of nodes that Arweave has, but do you know like how is that? How is that even possible? It almost seems like <laughs> too good to be true, where you can yeah. just store anything for free indefinitely on this well, platform. Well, it's not for free, and I guess that's what how it's possible, right? What with Arweave, what you do is you pay uh, AR tokens to store stuff so you pay up front to store the content but it, it's it's very very it's like fractions of a cent to store uh json blobs i think you know i think the we have like the dope we have a a dot like a sort of like a 20 minute documentary on the dope wars site 
and that guy is like several gigs and i think i think that cost like one or two cents to store that so it's it's probably comparable to storing media in terms of cost it's probably comparable to what it costs to store stuff to upload something and store it on s3 amazon's uh sort of like cloud storage platform but by paying that upfront fee to upload and store stuff that's how you kind of guarantee that it'll be there in perpetuity because then people who are running arweave nodes get those ar tokens as a reward for you know you know mining those transactions and storing the data and making it all available so it's uh, it's really elegant in my opinion and it's it's so great for web3 and, and and just media use cases in general that's incredible thanks for that explanation yeah you know seem to know a lot about it it makes you want to spin up an arweave node just hearing you talk about it so <laughs> me too me too you should it's it's sick um you know unfortunately these things are still um like admittedly it took me a an amount of time that i'm not going to disclose to figure out how to buy arweave tokens and transfer them to an arweave wallet because it arweave operates its own it's like its own chain and so you had to i forget how i wound up doing it i think i used uh kucoin maybe uh, some exchange like that to to buy the tokens and then to export them um to an arweave wallet on the arweave chain it was kind of like a complicated process so it's sort of like and this is the other thing too about like you know that that theme i think speaks broadly to one of the great challenges in in web3 for everybody which is that the most exciting stuff tends to be hard to use even for people who are like have an engineering background or whatever like it took me probably a weekend, you know, to, to get to like sort of like figure it all out and get it all working, uh, which is like a huge amount of time. And I think like an impossible hurdle to clear if you're if you don't have a technical background and like know how to upload a video to YouTube and have like that sort of frame of reference. Some of this stuff is really tricky to to get into place. And so I think for platforms like rebel there's this really big opportunity to to make that stuff just seamless like you don't even when you use rebel it it feels like you're using a, a traditional web 2 interface to upload all this stuff there's no technicality or or you you most people probably won't even realize that the media that they're uploading is is getting backed up to arweave because that process happens completely transparently and so i think it's a good time to be building tools like this that make it really simple for people who are building communities or creating projects or content to take advantage of these awesome new paradigms, but without having to become uh, like an engineer to do it. It's still all way too hard to use.
Yeah, I think that's very well said. One of the things that was running through my mind as you were describing that was that, <clears throat> like, even us at the Web3 Experience, right, we have uh, we have podcasts on Spotify, Apple, on the RSS feed, we have YouTube content, uh, and we have content in a couple other places as well, like Mirror, and so it seems like it would be 100% worth it, especially because... Um, You right now seem to be eating the storage costs, which, uh, which by the way, thank you for that. Um, but, <laughs> uh, but it seems like it would be totally worth it for um, a lot of other um, kind of content creators, uh, content creation projects uh, to just go and aggregate all of their content um, onto Rebel, at least, I mean, a minimum to have a backup and it's, it's free, right, at this point. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think that I think it I think it's huge. I think that whether whether content creators are using Rebel or not, and I would encourage them to because I think it's a good product. <laughs> it's a great product. Um, but I think that that one of the great leaps forward that Web3 encourages is that you own your own sort of stack like you own your house or whatever right however you think about your thing like you should have your own website with your own domain name and that is yours because when your when your content is on all these other platforms really you're building those other platforms right like you're renting a stall on somebody else's thing it's not really your thing and you can't really claim ownership or control over it and you don't really have any say in how it's monetized in the business model in the user experience that people have when they go to that place you limit your ability to be um, innovative with the direction you take it in and there i mean there are just a million reasons that you should have control complete control over your thing and the best part of web3 is that you no longer really have to make the compromise between um being on your own little island like the it, it used to be that like okay if i am a like ownership maximal list in the context of web2 and you're like i'm just gonna have my own wordpress site and I'm going to put all my videos and all my content on my own website and not on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube or these other places, you really suffered for being on your own little island. And people wouldn't discover it because it wasn't on the platforms that they're visiting. But Web3 gives you the best of both worlds because everything is being sourced from the same sort of like, like if you think of a blockchain as a database, everybody's using the same database and just like your nfts show up on OpenSea and um all these other in your wallets and all these different places content more broadly will be the same and so you can have your own destination and i encourage everybody to have their own destination where they can say oh you know what we're going to add a merch store into this and because we're like building this community destination that people are going to like it'll just be there one day you don't have to sit around and wait for like youtube or anchor or whoever to add that functionality for you you can just add it to your own experience and because 
content distribution works similarly to RSS and these big aggregators that are going to start popping up um, will just simply aggregate that data and make it available in their own ways, kind of like how YouTube and, and whoever else does. You'll have the best of both worlds. You'll be able to show up in these like big central discovery engines that emerge in Web3 while also still being able to have your own destination that you have total control over the vibes at. So I think it's just super exciting. Like, I think that we're still in the early, early, early days of what this all winds up looking like. But if you're a creator, um, you should absolutely, in my opinion, be building out your own destination and encouraging people to go there, right? Like still use YouTube and TikTok and all these sort of big, massive networks as like a distribution strategy but always be pushing people toward your own thing so that when you're ready to level up your experience whether that's you know releasing some kind of line extension or an nft or merch or you want to do a tour if you're like a podcast or a band or whatever like people are showing up to your destination and you can put that information in front of them in a way that's most meaningful to you and most effective to you. So I think that's a theme that we're going to see emerge and I'm pretty excited to see it. Yeah. I think you just read my mind there with your last comment because I was thinking, okay, I agree 100% that, you know, we're still so early as far as web three social media goes, right. Which means that we need to plug into these web two socials uh, that everybody is on. Right. And then start to try to filter them to our kind of web three socials um, where it's more beneficial uh, for the content creators as well as the community. Um, it reminds me of. Uh, the famous Chris Dixon quote uh, that it goes something like, your take rate is my opportunity yeah. in Web3, sure. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's right. Chris Dixon's genius. Um, yeah, that's he's got so many good ones, man. Um, but yeah, that's that's exactly that's exactly right. It's going to be uh, really exciting to see how how this like sort of ecosystem plays out. I mean, I, I'm very optimistic that we're going to see, you know, the, the idea of the creator economy and, um, and, and being able to make a living through sort of like creating content and educating people and building um, productive communities. Like that's, that's always been a very exciting ideal, but I think that it's always been sort of held up by the mechanics of web two and, I keep saying that we've only scratched the surface, but I really believe this. I think that if you fast, if we could fast forward or look forward like five years and, and there are these really consumer friendly experiences and, and people are able to permissionlessly build on top of that stuff, it's going to be a whole new age of just kind of being able to go out there and, and make it. So how, I mean, how are you guys thinking about, um, the future of the web three experience are you what what is your model for like is this like just for fun or do you see a sort of like a business developing behind this one day like how are you guys thinking about your project and and where you want it to go yeah, that's a good question. It definitely started out for fun. And I mean, we still do this, the Twitter spaces, the podcast, uh, some some YouTube stuff, because it's 
literally what we enjoy doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there, obviously we don't have it, um, fully figured out yet, but I think there's definitely a route to grow the web three experience into, uh, into a business or for, for sure just don't know you know what something like that looks like yet so at least I'll, I'll let espresso talk to this as well but at least from my uh perspective um you know i i do it right now just because i enjoy doing it and we'll we'll see what happens Yeah, echoing what Jay Rocky just said, it's extremely fun, and I'm loving every minute of doing this podcast. But at some point, it would be great to be able to turn it into something that we're able to do full time and monetize, and actually, you know, support ourselves with, perhaps, right? If if uh, either one of us wants to choose to, you know, spend our nine to five doing something like that. Um, yeah. So, would love to, you know, maybe leverage something in the web three space, whether I don't know if whether that's launching an NFT project or using something like rebel to monetize in the future when it makes sense. Definitely don't want to do it in a way that feels inauthentic though. Um, so yeah, I don't know, any, any recommendations or have you seen any other creators um, do things that have worked well? I think that, uh it's still so early man <laughs> like i think i think um i think nfts are definitely interesting where it comes to um building community i mean something that i'm pretty hyped on is bringing uh patreon style subscriptions to web3 this is like a sort of like a little bit of maybe alpha for listeners here um, but I think something we're going like pretty hard on at Rebel is is making it possible to do uh, Web3 sort of subscriptions to creator content. And it's going to work basically the same way that Patreon does, where as a creator, you can say we have one or more tiers to support what we're doing here. And the difference is going to be that you'll be able to set those to like you could set it to like a dollar or like 50 cents even or something. Right. And so if you have a thousand people or 10,000 people who listen to your show or are a member of your community and, and the, and, and to maybe access like a token gated discussion forum or just to support the show, it's like, yeah, you know, pay us a dollar a month and it's set up so that that just automatically comes out of your wallet without you having to think about it i mean i think from a lot of people i mean if you have like any amount of crypto in your wallet like a dollar or two is basically the variance you're seeing every day <laughs> with the volatility of eth kind of going up and down right so like it's it's very different i think than like a credit card subscription or whatever but you know so so I, and i think that like even people are extremely price sensitive um and so I think that there's this cool thing where if you guys are able to tap into you and I mean, I mean like creators in general, not just you guys, but I think there's, it's very likely that you could find a um, thousand or 10,000 people who are willing to toss in a dollar or two a month uh, out of their crypto wallets to support their favorite media, you know, just, just as a baseline of supporting things that they care about. But especially when you start to layer in the fact that like, okay, well, you, you know, 
by being a member of our community here, like a, like a, like a patron, if you will, or a, a supporter, you get these additional benefits. I think that that's such a huge win. And what's beautiful about it is that you get to keep a hundred percent of that revenue going back to Chris Dixon's quote that it is true. Like the take rate that visa and Patreon or OnlyFans or Substack. I mean, when you dig into the numbers, um, these companies really wind up taking quite a lot or YouTube. I mean, YouTube takes like, I think like YouTube is like, we'll, you know, generously share 20 to 40% of the ad revenue that we get to our top creators, you know, like in, in my opinion, you should be getting a hundred percent of that income. And I think that the dynamics in web three and just how things are sort of like positioned psychologically for everybody, like it's going to be a rounding error in, in your, how you think about your crypto to support your favorite things. Um, you know, like what's, what's a dollar a month to support my favorite podcast or my favorite shows or whatever. I mean, even $5 a month, I think is not a stretch. I mean, I, I think all of my Patreon subscriptions are like $5 a month and I'm happy to pay them because they're my favorite among my, the favorite things that I sort of consume in terms of media. Um, but there's not really that much, but that, that feels like you're sort of like paying rent or something, you know? So, cause you don't really get, you, you sort of just like put money into it, but you don't beyond just the content, you don't really get anything out of it. So I think if it was a situation where like I minted a, um, you know, I have my like web three experience um, like NFT and I own that and there's like this ownership feeling about it, even if it's not like something that I'm going to sell for 10 ETH or some crazy thing, like you feel a greater connection to it because it's like uh, something you like sort of have and own. And so I think you're going to see a situation kind of like uh, I've been the I don't know if you guys have seen those numbers around the Reddit profile NFTs where there are like two million of them, right? <laughs> it's like two and a half million people have minted those Reddit profile NFTs and have added two and a half million wallets uh, to the system. Like, I think that's going to be the model that you see going forward. It's going to be less about like scarcity around this is a collection with 10,000 items in it or 5,000 items in it. And we're hoping to just get the highest floor price and, and generate a lot of trading volume around all of that stuff. I think what you wind up seeing going forward is a lot more stuff that is like, yeah, there's a hundred thousand memberships available or a million memberships available. And if you want the premium experience around that uh, club or community or whatever, you pay a dollar a month for it, or you can prepay for a whole year for 10 bucks. And those numbers are very exciting to me because the sort of dynamic that we're seeing right now, especially in the bear market, is this like pressure to do like free mints or very, very, very low cost mints, which is fine. But I think it creates a real challenge for NFT collections or communities because where is the where's the revenue supposed to come from? You know, especially with royalties sort of under attack by market forces, like more and more exchanges are making royalty payments kind of optional. And uh, when you have this sort of like uh, dual, this double pronged attack, 
on revenue for people who are trying to build businesses where it's like people don't want to pay for mints anymore and people don't want to honor creator royalties. Um, I think it becomes difficult to, to be able to pursue this stuff. And I think that way more people should be able to, like, I think you guys should totally, if you guys are into this as like a potential full-time thing, there should be a lot of paths in my opinion to doing that. It should be possible and easy because I think the world needs more thoughtful opinions, people who are creating content, not just for like shock value and engagement necessarily. Like I think when you talk about creating authentic relationships, I don't know that there's a more authentic way to support something like the web three experience, but then a direct sort of like whether it's fan or member to creator relationship I think that's the best way to do it because otherwise it's sort of like this algorithmically driven thing and those algorithmically driven models are generally based on targeted advertising, which opens up this whole like can of worms around privacy and all that stuff. And because we're human beings with these sort of like, um, you know, we have like high level reasoning that's able to do blockchains, but we also have this low level monkey brain thing going on. That's like we engage with, content that enrages us and like that's the stuff that gets shared or whatever and so it creates these sort of perverse incentives around the kind of stuff that gets promoted within the algorithms and that's all based on just ad-based models and so i think that sort of direct support paradigm is the one that is going to enable authentic and healthy um incentives where it comes to content and communities so I think there's a really bright future here. And I think it's one where creators like yourselves are going to find ways to more and better and like healthy ways to make a living doing stuff like this. And it's going to come at a lower cost to consumers, like not just financially, but also like psychically, like, <laughs> like it, sometimes I open up Twitter and I, like I scroll and I'm just like, ugh, like, ugh just tired of it you know tired of like the way that the sort of like algo forms the the timeline and what's in there so that's the big opportunity here i think yeah i think that was all incredibly well said and and very that got me pretty bullish as well um but uh with the last 10 minutes here so uh i know that you have a governance proposal for some funding for rebel uh, i was wondering if you could talk through that uh and also what really caught my eye about that was that um 80 percent of the of the funding in that proposal that you would have asked for um goes directly to uh content creators as a reward so kind of talking through um the proposal and um and the details there I'll start by saying I think optimism is a great place for creators, for for anybody to be building anything, frankly. But I think when it comes to content and just like broadly speaking, creators, I think optimism is such a great chain to launch projects onto. I think that there's this huge potential when you start thinking about retroactive public goods funding, when you think about how much influence uh, you can have in the direction of the chain and involvement in the community there 
it's pretty unparalleled when you sort of survey the landscape of L2s. And I think that the future of all this consumer behavior is going to be on level twos. So optimism is this really, really, really wonderful chain to be building on. And I think that it's sort of underserved or, or it's not even like, I fear that it is, a, it's not the first chain that pops into people's minds when they're like, Ooh, I should like launch an NFT project or like, I want to do, um, you know, I have my, my, I want to like launch a community. Um, and so I think part of the reason that the, the part of the calculus that people do on this is they see headlines like, Ooh, Reddit avatars are on Polygon or Starbucks is like launching on Polygon and stuff like that. And so if you're doing the decision-making based on just like, I want to do this for a living, I think people are more likely to go to where they think they're going to get the most volume or where the most users are or whatever. And it's still early innings in all of this, but I do think momentum matters. And I think those headlines matter. I think people see that. Investors see that. Creators see that. Builders see all that stuff. And when you consider like, okay, I'm going to launch my new NFT project. And, and, and I'm saying this from the perspective of somebody who's launching Rebel on Optimism. We have our own NFT projects that we're launching and doing this sort of same calculus myself. I think long term, I'm much more invested in the sort of community and governance and, and, and sort of like philosophy behind Optimism. So it's less of a financial decision for me at this point than it is more of a like long-term positioning thing. But I think a lot of creators out there are just trying to make it right now. It's tough out there. And so what our goal with this proposal is, is to give people an incentive if you're going to launch an NFT collection or some kind of creative project that can be done on chain. What we want to do is reward you for helping to bring new users into the optimism ecosystem. And so part of the way that we're going to do that is when you launch your project on optimism, using tools that we build at Rebel, we will analyze the wallets of people who sign up for your project or mint your project and give you rewards based on um, those like those users. So if we look at somebody's wallet and see that they had a lot of mainnet activity, but zero optimism activity, that to us counts as like, you just brought somebody new into the optimism ecosystem. And I think you should get rewarded for that. And so, especially if you're doing something like a free mint or a low cost mint, where you're not making a lot of money out of the gate using those sort of like bull market mechanics, I think being able to earn some, OP tokens to help bridge that gap would be huge. You know, if you made a few OP tokens for every new user that you referred to optimism through your project, that could be a substantial amount of money. That could be really significant. And it's a situation where everybody benefits. The chain benefits because now you've got potentially thousands of new members. Your project benefits because you just made, you know, a few thousand times whatever those rewards wind up being and so on. And like I mentioned before, Rebel has all these ways of tracking positive user contributions and behavior. And so we want to attach those OP rewards to all of that stuff and ultimately funnel those rewards to the community managers and creators themselves. Because uh, I think that's where 
that's who we want to be bringing into the system right now is creative individuals who are making great projects. And so that's the purpose of our proposal and the angle that we're taking there. Yeah, I love that description. And I think that your proposal from, um, you know, an optimism uh, governance standpoint uh, touches on a couple of key points. But one of the uh, most important things there uh, is by, I feel like, giving um in or <clears throat> giving op um funding to rebel does a couple different things uh one it incentivizes um the actual use of rebel and then on the back end also uh it is incentivizing just other general nft projects or gaming projects to then start to use rebel and you know plug in so you know it's kind of the the, the more bang for your buck rather than funding all of those kind of NFT and gaming projects individually. Uh, on the back end of that, also one of the huge benefits, I think, from a governance standpoint is we're always trying to figure out, well, how do we know uh, that, you know, the funds that we have given out um, are actually working and bringing news users on? And so it sounds like uh, Rebel uh, is able to kind of take care of all of those analytics Um as part of their rewards distribution system to figure out what is valuable, what's not. Yeah, totally. I mean, it, it produces anytime there's a distribution of uh, community tokens. And in this case, we're talking about OP. It gives a really detailed list of like, here's the wallet that is being, that generated the reward. And here's the reason or reasons for that reward where it's like, yep, this person referred somebody and then they voted on a governance thing. And then they posted this really great meme which got this amount of engagement, like all that stuff gets factored into it such that you can just understand immediately why a token is going to whomever it might go to. Um, and so I think that'll be a really powerful mechanism for transparency and accountability from the governance perspective, because it'll be able, like we will be able to like down to down uh, to the absolute amount, say like, because of these, you know, uh, token, like this amount of tokens resulted in X number of new users, Y number of new content posts, Z number of votes on governance proposals, and so on and so forth. Like, it's all deeply, deeply tracked. And so I, I think it's a, I think it'll be great uh, for, for the, for the goals of the governance grants, and also just as a way to measure what's working in terms of getting people excited about optimism and building there and participating there. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on and explaining all of that uh, well in person over voice, right? Because I've read the proposal a couple of times, but you know, hearing you explain it verbally uh, kind of makes it come alive and makes it make more sense. Um, and I can kind of, I've been created or, I've made some um, connections from, you know, the optimism governance goals uh, and what Rebel provides in, in so many different ways. Um, and so, yeah, I, I appreciate you you coming on to the show. And that was a that was a great explanation. Yeah, I'm really uh, thankful for you guys having me on here. This has been really fun. Yeah, thank you so much. Really enjoyed hearing about Rebel and about ways that creators can use web three to grow their communities and build love talking to you. Any closing thoughts or anything that uh, users and people interested in rebel, maybe even joining a community or contributing to contributing content to the platform 
uh, should do? Where should they go to learn more? Yeah, we're um, we're in what I would call like a like a in terms of participating in communities. If you go to the Rebel homepage and connect your wallet, you can uh, see some of the ones that are on there right now. If you've uh, it'll show you ones that are using the platform that you have NFTs for. So we're talking to some optimism projects that, uh, in addition to Dope Wars, that I'm hoping and excited to welcome to Rebel, and those will start popping up over the coming weeks. And so communities that anybody who's uh, familiar with the optimism NFT ecosystem will probably start to see some stuff pop up from their own holdings. Um, and if you want to create a community on Rebel, just uh, shoot the Rebel Twitter account a DM. Uh, right now, we kind of have like an invite-only thing going for like the creation element of it until we run a few more through the process and iterate. We've gotten some amazing feedback from early users and have done a ton of iterations. And so we'll be opening it up fully that anybody can create anything on Rebel. Um probably in a couple weeks, maybe three, four weeks from now. Uh, but in the meantime, if you want to create something on Rebel, we'd be happy to give you access. Just shoot us a DM and we'll get you set up. But we're really, really grateful for uh, the time you've spent with us today and can't wait to roll this out more widely. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on. I uh, can't wait to see how the governance proposal goes. I'm going to share this with the rest of the governance community as well because I feel like um, you know, the, a lot of stuff came through um, just kind of you know verbally explaining a proposal that doesn't come through necessarily reading it and um, did a great job of giving uh, an overview of Rebel and kind of where this uh, where this whole thing could go and the uh, the potentials there. Thank you. I appreciate all that. All right. Thanks for joining, everybody. Until next time. Thanks, everyone.